with Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I am your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I am very happy to welcome singer Jizzy Pearl. Jizzy Pearl. Sorry about that. Jeez. Jeez, look at that. Jeez, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. Good, good. Now, right off the bat, I just finished your latest book, Angst for the Memories. <laughs> oh, you got the, you got this. Okay, you got angst, so that's killer. Yeah, yeah, it was. It there's was, three. Okay, you sent me angst, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad because I, I it, it's, it's gnarlier to read. It's, it's, it's more rock and roll, I guess, is what you want to. It's cool. Say. It's very cool. And I wasn't sure what to expect, and I'm, I'm, and more or less, I guess, it's kind of a collection of short stories that, that honestly, some of them are really astounding. Um, and before we kind of dive into a few of those stories without giving away too much, um, kind of give me a little bit of back history on on those stories themselves. Um, well, I've written three books, and the first one was I Got More Crickets and Friends, which was released about a month ago. And um, I guess I've always sort of been a writer, you know, songwriter, and I've always sort of written. But when the internet came out and started to get for real in 1998, 99-ish, people started to do blogs, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I started to, to, to put it on the internet. And then I just amassed enough stories and enough stuff. And then I decided, well, you know, someone suggested I write a book and I thought, well, am I good enough? I'm not really good enough. And I just thought, well, fuck it. I'll just do it. And I did it. And now I'm, you know, in on my fourth book already. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I, um, I started writing, like, since I do the Sleaze Rocks thing as a writer, I started, I only started doing it maybe four years ago, and I sent something to Olivier at Sleaze Rocks, and I said, hey, I'd really like to take a go at this, and it worked out really well, to the point where there's an artist for a band uh, called Slick Toxic up here, that were here in Canada, and uh, the guitar player asked me to write his, uh, help him write his autobiography, so people, people dug the writing, right, and it, it was something that I never imagine that I was any good at so well it's you know it's one of those things some people are good at it and 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 it's natural yeah if it comes out natural then it's it's killer yeah you know what I mean yeah so so getting into the book a little bit there's an interesting part in the book um you read at the rainbow and I believe it was with your wife I think or girlfriend and some friends ex-wife ex-wife, ex-wife. okay now I've never been to the Rainbow, and you kind of. My current wife just flipped you off. Oh, I tell her I'm very sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, but um, I've never been to the Rainbow. So I mean, you're kind of describing what the Rainbow's like in the story as you're telling it, and right. you know, and and you kind of. Well, that's a great thing about books because you're kind of imagining that scene in your head. You're not seeing it. You actually have to imagine it, right? So, was this something, did this actually occur? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, um, the rainbow is, is one of the places, like, the icons of the Sunset Strip, and people used to, I don't know if they do as much anymore, I don't live in Los Angeles, but people would come there as tourists to go to the Whiskey and the Roxy and the Rainbow, you know what I mean, take pictures of the Lemmy statue, and and it was a it was a big deal. It was a big you know like a rock and roll, you know place to go. And um, back in the day, there was a lot more I don't know 
it was, it was a lot, there was a lot more posing going on, right. I guess is what you yep. could say. And, uh, my ex-wife had a friend in town and let's go to the rainbow type thing. So I just wrote about it, about how when you go in, everyone at all the tables turns around to see if you're somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a true story. They all turn and see, is, is, is that Gene Simmons? Yeah. Is that the guy from Creed? You know what I mean? Or is he's just some asshole? You know, and then you go upstairs and that's where all the cocaine people hang out and all the mafia gangsters and stuff like that. And and yeah, I mean the story is actually true. It's it's fucked up but but true. It is, yeah. It was it was like I was like, Wow, okay, that's cool. But but I mean that's not the most fucked up story in the book, because there's a few of them. Um I mean, let's talk about the dude and the ants. That was very comical. And how you ever came up with that was I was reading and I'm going, oh my God, this is crazy. It's comical, yet it's kind of disturbing as well. And it kind of paints his girlfriend in, in the light of being like this cock-starved nympho as, as the story goes on, right? I like that, cock-starved nympho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I... <sighs> When I have an idea, and I and I just I actually just wrote a story today for my fourth book. You get an idea, and it's like a little kernel of corn, and you plant it, and you just start going, and then the story sometimes goes in a direction that you don't expect it to. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, it's kind of like automatic writing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where the pen is just flying across the page, and I don't even know where it's going to go. You know what I mean? It just starts going. And I guess it starts out with the ant doing its thing. Yeah. And then it just, it just kind of gets more dark and absurd. It just gets more absurd until, obviously, the, the horrible graphic end yeah. of, the, of well, the man. Yeah, and she, yeah, because he's like, he's done. He can't, he can't do it anymore. And it was, I liked how, like, you made it... Uh, it was graphic, you know what I mean? It's like you actually, you know, like you're you're explaining this whole situation, but but at the same time, you can feel for this guy because he's got to keep doing this because he's trying to please this woman, and right. you know, like yeah, it was damn it, women. Yeah, I know, um, right? <laughs> you know what it is? Is is my my first book? Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the writer Charles Bukowski and uh, Hunter S. Thompson, and my first book was sort of written in that sort of style because, you know, you write about the, you know, in the style of the people that you dig. Like, like I always try to sing like Robert Plant and Ronnie James Dio. And over the years, I ended up singing like myself. But, you know, those early demos, you can hear the Dio, yeah. you know what I mean, and the Roger Daltrey and stuff like that. So as a writer, I guess in any art form, you, you start by mimicking people that you dig. And then... In the second book, this book, Angst for the Memories, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Yeah. I always have been. And the way he describes violence and graphic horror is, is like you're in the room. You know what I mean? It's like you're in the room. And it, it jumps off the page and grabs your throat. And I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do that, to, to paint a picture where you're in the room and, and this horrifying shit is happening, you know, and, and I, and that's kind of how the second book sort of developed. 
Yeah. It, see, the thing was, as I'm reading it, because you've got your intro part and you're kind of um, explaining yourself, you know, like as, you know, who you are and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. I have no idea where this is going to go, which I loved. I had no idea. And it's like, and then you read a story, like the, the first story is about the serial killer. Right. Right. And you're like. Serial killer that goes for a job. That goes for a job interview, gets the job. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give away too much on that, but it's like, then I'm expecting, I'm like, okay, it goes, is this a, the next part is like, it goes to a, is this a segue? Are we going back to that guy or are we going to, and then, and then the next story comes along, which I thought was, it was brilliant. It kind of, you're kind of left thinking, okay, I wonder, you're like, what, what happened with this guy? (laughs) <laughs> but then you move on to the you know, next sometimes one. Sometimes that's the beauty of short stories is that you don't have to, you don't, you can leave it open. Right. Like, for example, you know, a lot of stories or movies or stuff, you don't have to know what happens to the guy. Yeah. You just, it's up to your imagination. You think, oh, well, he is, he, is there a happy ending? Is there not? Is he going to drive off a cliff or whatever? So it's kind of nice in that medium of writing when you just sort of, it's just a a moment in time, you know what I mean? And who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Is this guy, you know, who cares? Right. You know? Yeah, it's wild. And and then uh, to the, the guy working in the gas station. So that's a true story. I was wondering if that was a true story because it was that actually you or was that somebody else? No, 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 that that was me. Um, briefly, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I worked at a self-serve gas station and before computers, you know what I mean? And I'd walk out with a big wad of money and, you know, do change and blah, blah, blah. But it was, it's sort of like love thy neighbor and, and the honor system and stuff. And that's just great until you get, you know, robbed. And uh, and that's the whole thing, because you're a stoner kid, you know, and, and you think that everyone with long hair is like you. You know, you think that everyone's a hippie and listens to Black Sabbath, and and you wouldn't do that to me. He's cool, you know. And then all of a sudden, the, the dynamic changes, and you've got shotguns in your face and... You know what I mean? So, but that is a true story, yeah. And yeah. I did quit the job the, the day after. Yes, right. And it, but you know what? As that came on, I was thinking, as I'm reading that part, for some reason, why do you think they call it dope? Came to my head as I'm reading that, and I don't know why. It was just like, and probably because in my my mind, I'm imagining you as you know, as a guy at the gas station, and you're talking about pot. But I mean. Um, that was always one of those songs that I I always kind of, kind of wondered what the meaning behind that song was because I'm like it was weird, right? It, it, I don't meaning, know how. Well, I know what you're saying. The, the the meaning of it is there's no meaning. It's just it's it's sort of a stream of consciousness. Um, when my first record came out, Blackout in the Red Room. It had a sticker on it. Remember those yep. PMRC? Yeah, PMRC, yeah. And uh, we had songs about pot. And, I mean, this is 1990. Yep. It's not like it is now where you can just go to the grocery store and get exactly. dope. Yeah. Back then, it was a fucking felony, and you weren't allowed to talk about it. And so we were dope smokers, obviously, the whole band was. And uh, 
So we had to, when, when someone said to me, you know, it's really cool that you did this anti-drug song in this climate. And I just, I just went with it. Yeah. I just went, yeah. You know, because I'm thinking in my mind, if you think it's an anti-dope song, you'll probably play it on your radio station. And okay. You know what I mean? And sure. That's funny that you say that because we used, my buddy used to crank that song at school. But we never thought it was an anti-dope song. We didn't, and it's funny because we didn't smoke dope, but we just thought it was like one of these cool anti-establishment whatever um, type of songs, and we just totally dug it. And I was, and I remember him cranking it in his car all the time. Yeah, it's it's it it served my purpose at the time to to talk about anti-dope and blah blah blah, but it was definitely uh, you know not. That's cool. That's good to know after all these years. <laughs> you feel better? You I, feel better. I, feel, I feel much better. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks. Now, another interesting story is the rapist. Man, that, that was yeah. another comical analogy. Yeah, that, that, that one might get me in trouble because of the whole cancel culture thing. Uh, I almost considered taking it out of the book because... Of the times that we live in, you know what I mean, where people yeah. get canceled, stuff like that. But I mean, I won't go into it, but, you know, it, the girl wins in the end. Exactly. Let's just, let's yeah. just say that. Yeah, yeah. We the girl won't. triumphs over the idiot rapist in the end. It, so, so That's what I loved like about that. it. That's what I really yeah. loved about it. Because, it, yeah, she wins in the end, and that was really cool. Now, <laughs> while we're... Now, Shitty lays. Great analogy on that one. Um, um, you know, it's funny because because I'm in. The, I've been in rock and roll for thirty years now. I mean, still working, still surviving. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of crazy shit. You yeah. know, everyone has to. In in the old days, when you'd go to the radio station, they go, "Well, what's the craziest?" thing you've seen on the road and I'm just thinking well it's Tuesday you know what I mean something crazy is going to happen tonight you know but you it's it's behind the scenes rock and roll stuff Hollywood trash talk um, girls drugs booze uh, bohemian Caligula sex parties it, it all happens it all happens and it, I don't know if it happens with today's bands as much, but before the internet, boy, it, it was like ancient Rome. Yeah. I mean, because you could get away with anything, you know, and, and did, and did. So a lot of my, sometimes people think that my books are going to be like the Gene Simmons, you know, shagaholic conquest-a-thon, and it's not, but... But the Hollywood, the, the rock and roll, the real It was realism. Like that. That's what I loved well, about it. Of shit that, you know what I mean? People's names were changed. But yeah, a yeah. lot of that shit happens. Either I was on the bus watching it or perhaps participating. Yeah. Or perhaps, you know what I mean? So that's the kind of stuff that people think about. Like what goes on in the back room of the bus you know, when yeah. the lights go up. Well, you know, crazy shit. It's in there. Happens. It's in the book. If yeah. you want to know, it's in that book, right? And it's and funny, you, you said uh, watching from the bus, I mean, that one scenario of the 
I don't want to give away too much on that, but I mean, just that speaking of the bus and the analogy of watch sitting back and watching what was going on um, with the the truck drivers, for instance. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, and, that's a true story. That 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 happened on the Poison Tour in uh, 1999. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No. You. I mean, it's it's unimaginable, but and so degrading, but. Shit like that happened all the time. And it I, would, I, you know, that's 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 the thing is 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 everyone's a participant in this dark opera. It isn't just oh those you know nasty musicians that take advantage of people and blah blah blah. It it's it's an equal opportunity orgy. Yeah. You know what I mean? People people participate. They get their feet wet nightly. I mean, it's telling, it's giving, it also gives, if that scenario gives those people false hope, thinking, oh, this is, and I, and I like how you described it, because mm-hmm. they had this false hope, and they're thinking, oh, this is going to get me to this next. The, the next tier? The next <laughs> tier, yeah, exactly, and I love how you did that, because it kind of, it actually puts it into the definition of actually how it really happens, you know, like how, the, what's really going to happen in the end. Yeah, well, there's there's degrading stuff that happens on the road. I mean, I don't know. Again, it, it, but then again, nobody's forcing anyone to do anything. That's right. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to get backstage. Everyone wants that sticker. You know what I mean? And, and it's just, I guess, it depends on how low you want to go. Yeah. It's 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 dark. When I when I think about it, it's dark. But that's sometimes people. That's part of it too. That's part of the rock and roll thing too. You know what I mean? It's it's not everything you see on stage. It's also what happened. You know, Van Halen has stories of under the stage. That's right. Def yeah. Leppard has stories of under the stage of all the shenanigans that went down. This is just me. Yeah. Even I mean, blues traveler gets laid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just, That's it's true. Everybody. That's true. Now, another interesting section is of Bill. Without going into the actual story, what you kind of alluded to the fact there was a background with Bill. He was uh, a bus driver, uh, I believe, when you were with LA Guns. I think it was. Right, right, right. That that that's sort of embellished. That that's not quite as fucked up as I made it to be. That was a basically a story that I concocted, but. But you kind of took it to the absurd, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you kind of explain that, and you say, "Well, you know what? I told him if I ever wrote a a story, I was going to put him in it, and I was going to, you know, have it all fucked up more or less," as you say. Well, yeah, because he was a dick. Yeah, he was a dick. You know, a a lot of times when I was in LA Guns back in that time, um, sometimes you get buses, tour buses that are cheaper. Than the high, than the than the top yeah. of the line buses, yeah. you know what I mean? Because you want to save money, because you're the opening band, and you got to save money. So you get the cheaper bus, but with the cheaper bus comes the air conditioning breaking down, or the flat tires, or the or a bus driver that's kind of a you know a fuck up, yeah. like a like a sling blade guy, you know what I mean? As yeah. a road, as opposed to to a regular normal bus driver. You know, something's wrong when you get the cheaper bus. And we got this guy. And our shit kept breaking down. And he was just, he was lost. And he cost us gigs. And I said to myself, you know, one day I'm going to write a story and I'm going to, you're going to get, you know, murdered ruthlessly for this. 
my revenge, I guess. That was a great story, too. It was messed up. Like, everything that happened to that guy. <laughs> it was awesome. It was like, oh, my God. It's like one of those things where, oh, my God, that happened now? Like, this already happened to him, and now this is happening? You're like, wow. Yeah, that, again, that, that's just, that shit just writes itself, man. It's, it's uh, crazy. It was very well done. Now, the last bit of the book, as you say, is kind of a, a happy uh, ending to the book, which I, which I think in terms of life, it totally is. And I found that one in sex and found it interesting that the bass player of Love Hate, which was Skid Rose, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, somehow managed to piss off the record company at the end of the deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were going to get let go anyway. We had a two-record deal with Sony, and our first record sold okay, and then the second record came out, and I mean, I don't want to sit and place the blame on anyone, because it's just the way it is, but the record company picked a, a single and a video that was wildly inappropriate for what we thought we we had one in mind that was more commercial more radio friendly because you know back at that time you wanted to get on the radio that was your ticket to full gigs and and mtv and everything if you had a song that stuck but put it this way alice in chains was on our label and um when man in the box came out sony took all the credit for alice in chains success but they didn't really know what to do. And I was friends with Lane. And he told me, he goes, they didn't know what to do. But Man in the Box stuck on radio. 80 radio stations week after week after week after week. And that's what propelled them. It, it was the power of their music, not the magical, you know, radio uh, uh, record company. Yeah. So we... Sony had Bruce Springsteen and Barbara Streisand and stuff like that, so they didn't really know how to market guys that jumped around like the Chili Peppers and played metal and stuff like that. So they they made a, a couple of bad decisions, and then when they make the bad decisions, it's it ends up being the band's fault if the band doesn't sell records, and so that's what happened. And my bass player sort of was a bit more vocal as far as his um, uh, uh, anger over our uh, over over what was happening to us and this and that and uh, but but we were gonna like it we were gonna be let go anyway I think so in the end it really didn't matter I think, yeah. I, think I said that in the book yeah you did it, you it's did. dollars and cents yeah. you know if you're a complete fuck up and you sell 15 million records they're gonna keep you. Yeah. They'll just put a depends undergarment on you so you don't piss your pants. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you don't sell records, you're a dick. I just I think they missed the mark on you guys because you guys could have you were in between. You guys weren't like an LA glam band. You guys were kind of more on the other side of what was about we to happen. Like, we were more like Jane's Addiction right. and Billy Peppers. But when you hear Jane's Addiction, I mean when you hear Ocean Size, that's metal. Yeah, you know what I mean. When you hear Mountain Song, that's fucking metal, to me. Right. You know that's heavy and huge. So we wanted to be, you know, that was our influences, and that's what we were. And and uh, Black Out in the Red Room is, is like a straight up ACDC song. Totally, it's such a great. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, hey, it's 
over the years, you can second guess and you can Monday morning quarterback and, oh, you guys should have been huge and, oh, you guys should have done this and that. But in the end, most people don't ever get to do anything. That's true. Most people on the Sunset Strip never got an, a dime, never got an MTV video, never got a tour, never got anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're all working, you know, at Microsoft now or, or something like That's that. Right. You know what I mean? So and they don't know. So so what I'm saying is is I look back on my career back with the Sony and the records and stuff like that is a complete blessing. And and hanging with Ozzy Osbourne, hanging with these people, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's 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 that was my job. So that's pretty badass. That is cool. And I mean you alluded to the fact too, you said, you know, we had the million dollar record deal, but I made more last year than I ever made back then you know which i thought was and that's the happy ending right well when i was in rat yeah i was yeah. on a, i was a higher gun on a salary and i was yeah. making more money than i made yeah with a million dollar contract and yeah. people don't get that they don't get and, that no yeah no of course, I mean, of course well i mean they never get the fact that a record deal is alone more or less you know like record deal Prince called it indentured servitude, and he, and he's right. You know, I mean, you're owned, dude. Yeah, you're owned. Every every thing that they give you, every limo ride, every piece of salami on that food tray has a little barcode on it. Yeah, and you got to pay all that shit back before you see a dime. And we never, you know, I mean, we we didn't we didn't do that. So they let us go, and you know, what I mean, it was like we we could part friends, you know. Yeah. Now, I was listening to Blackout earlier today, and I never realized how big the vocal in the chorus of Rock Queen is. Was there a slew of people brought in to do that vocal, that background vocal on the chorus? It just sounded huge. Do you I recall? Just, um, I don't think so. I think it was just a couple of guys. It was me and John and Skid doing the, you know, I probably doubled it. I don't yeah, know. It sounds you know great. I mean? It's got a great sound to it. It was well, that's 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 a good record. That's that's a great record. Yeah, that's a great. And the second one, wasted. It is. I have I have that one as well. They're both great. Yeah. Um, now, you're about to release a new album on Golden Robot Records. Well, I'm not about to. It's going to come out in a couple of months, but yeah, I, it's finished. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Hell California. It's on Golden Robot Records, and uh, you know. I guess when it comes out, it comes out. You know how that is with the record companies. Yeah. It's some vague, indeterminate time in the future, your record will be released. Yeah, so. I, I thought that was weird because Soul Mama's been out for a while now. Like the first. Well, they they put out singles every couple of months. I mean, that's what they do. They they and then they do the pre order thing. It's just different because there's no more record stores. Yeah, you know what I mean. And there's no more MTV, and so I I guess. I don't know. It's it's it seems weird to me, but this is, I guess, how they market shit in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I think they did that with Gilby Clark too. They, those singles were yeah. coming out quite a long time before the album, right? Right. Exactly. And it does seem it seems weird to me because you're waiting in anticipation. You're like, when's this going to well, come out? You're you're used to going to a record store, yeah, and just plucking it off the shelf yeah. i mean people don't buy records anymore i mean we all know that people don't buy records anymore yeah you know there's there's so i guess this is how they do it now they do it you know via the internet and i don't know it's weird it is weird will that will the album be released on vinyl 
I guess so. Cool. Awesome. I mean, I I assume. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure it'll come out in all the normal outlets. But I mean, are there even record stores anymore? I mean, who no. the fuck knows? There there is, but they're not. You know, oh, this is like one. Yeah, one in each town <laughs> if you're lucky. And Amazon. And Amazon. I mean, that's where I buy a lot of vinyl on Amazon. But I do have a local record store, but it's more used stuff, right? And then they'll get they'll get the odd new release in, but. I think you have to ask just, for it. You know what? It, 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 I would, I would hate to be a new band right now trying to navigate these unfamiliar waters. I, I really would because um, there's no radio stations, there's no tour buses, there's no tour support, there's no record companies, and if they do sign a band, they sign these three sixty deals. Would would they take all your money? I mean, back in the day. You know, the record companies would take a chunk, but you, you would at least get something. Right. So you could pay your rent and stuff like that. Now you don't get anything. I mean, they take your merch. It's just, it's a fucked up thing. It's, a, it's, it's, they it's take fucked your up. Merch. And Spot, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's And Spotify up. with that whole thing. Oh, you got 8,000, you know, spins of your new record. Here's your two cents. That's fucked up. Well, but you know what? I guess for me, having had such a long, you know, career, whatever, uh, I just come to terms with it. You know what I mean? I didn't, when when people started stealing music, I didn't want to make records. I was in LA Guns and Tracy was trying to convince me, you still have to make new music. You, You know what I mean? And I was so hesitant because I was, I wasn't ready to realize that this is just this is just the way it is now. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't you can't fight it. You know what I mean? And 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 your energy comes from new music and he was right. And so Frontiers called me, you want to make a record? Yes. Golden Robot called me, you want to make a record? I said yes. So, you know, if someone's gonna give me money to make a record and I don't have to go out of pocket thousands and thousands of dollars, fuck, I'll I'll make new music. I, I love it. You know, I enjoy it, but uh, yeah, those times sure have changed. Oh, the, the, they have. I mean, I, and Soul Mama is—it's—it's it's a great song, by the way. It's—it's it's, yeah, it's, it's got the, its got your sound. It's great, man. I really, really dig it. And it's three chords, you know. Really, eh? Yeah, that's awesome. Now, that's good. Um, now you're also singing with Quiet Riot, which is awesome. Yeah. I'm happy the band is still out playing. Um, I'm assuming that you'll be, will you guys be out touring this year? Yeah, um, thank God, everything's sort of... Starting to open. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's been a weird time, I mean, I, I, I used to see people post and, and do these virtual concerts and do these things where they're playing guitar on, on, in front of their computer and stuff like that, and, and... And it's just, I thought, man, is this, hopefully this isn't going to be the new norm. The way it is yeah. forever and ever. Because it's just, you know, it's just not, there's no majesty. You know what I mean? It's just, so anyway, things seem, fingers crossed, to be opening up. And yeah, I, I got a bunch of gigs over the summer. I mean, awesome. so uh, yeah, we'll be playing a, a county fair, <laughs> you know, somewhere in the U.S., somewhere near you. Cool. That's great. I haven't seen you sing with Quiet Riot. I've only seen you with Rat and LA Guns. So, 
I, uh, but I mean, up in Canada, I can't, we can't cross the border yet, so can't come down there. It's too dangerous. Too dangerous. <laughs> it's crazy. I think it's going to open soon, though. I think they're talking a month or so. So. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I know you guys are going through some pretty strict yeah. shit up yeah. there. Big time. Up in, up in Toronto. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I know in the UK, my, my, my friends there are dealing with stuff. They were supposed to be open on the 21st and then it got pushed. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just fucked. It's just, this thing has been such a eye opener for me. You know what I mean? It, it really made me realize that that as a musician, you know, that always, if he, if he needed money, he could always go pick some apples off the tree. You know, what if there's no fucking tree? Yeah, there's no tree to go to to pick off of. That's right. Yeah, so that was part of my impetus for doing these books, the re-releases, that, is that, you know, it's a smart move to start having some, some Another plan B. Yeah. Well, to have some options, you know. Yeah. Just in case. Just in case. You know, we all, we're all hoping things are going to be open. And, you know, and it was a good excuse. And now the books are out. And I'm, I'm happy they're out because people are rediscovering them. And, uh, yeah. And they can see how creepy I really am. <laughs> so, with that said, where can people find the books then? The books can be found at jizzypearl.net. That's my uh, that's my website, uh, jizzypearl.net. Uh, yeah, and they can look them up and they can get them. And uh, there's all there's three of them available right now. And um, yeah, people are buying them. You know, I've, the I've, I've, had this, I've had the store open for a couple of days, and I've I've oh my wife. Oh, awesome! There they are. Perfect. There's unhappy endings. There's your book, Angst for the Memories, and there's Got More Crickets and Friends. Cool. And if you put them all together, it's a fucking trilogy, mate. Oh, nice. That's the awesome, power man. of Christ compels you. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, so the store's open and people are buying them. And like I said, I mean, it's 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 great. It's great. I, I'm, I'm happy that... Uh, to, 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 to get people to read again and, and to turn off Netflix for a little bit. And, uh, and, you know, because you sound like a real reader. You sound like someone that, that's what I dig about reading. Me too. That you, can, you can go somewhere else yeah. in a book. You know, you can, you, can, you can be transported to a place and, and it takes your mind off shit. Yeah. Like car payments and screaming kids and, and you know what I mean? And, and life life the, the oppressive things about life you can just go somewhere else you know for a half hour an hour and, and that's what i love about reading and that's that's why i dig being a writer well that's that's kind of what i did i had the afternoon off of my day job and i came home i had another interview at one o'clock and i was like okay i've got to finish this book i want to make sure i finish this and it w I was relaxed. It was way better than turning on the TV. Well, yeah, I, I think. I mean, our the older generation, I guess, has a has a better sense of what reading can be. You know what I mean? And and like I said, I've, I've read my whole life. I got thousands of books. You know what I mean? In my bookcase in my house. And so for me, it's just 
it's a pleasure to be able to read and, and, and I'm happy to be able to to give my filth to the masses. That's awesome. Okay. Well, Jizzy, I really want to thank you for joining me and uh, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to probably order those books. So that's awesome. I'm interested in reading the other two. Well, I'll send you the other ones in, in a form that, that you can check out. Okay. I'd like that. That's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Because Canada is a little tougher as far as your, your, yeah. the U.S. post office. <laughs> uh, well, it's, yeah, it's uh, shipping up here right now is brutal. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, trying to get a vinyl to come up from the States is, it's like, it's, sometimes it's more expensive than the vinyl itself. Well, no. The, unfortunately, postage is outrageous. Mm-hmm. It's fucking outrageous. And I really appreciate the fans that are spending the money, you know what I mean? Because I know how much it is. I mean, I know it. Yeah. But that's the thing is, is the U.S. Post Office, it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, they're going to charge what they charge. And it's, it's what do you, you know what I mean? There's nothing you can do about it. It's that well, you got to pay. No. Unless, right. you know, you want me to hand carry it to your house in Canada. Exactly. You know, would, you, would you do that for me? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again. And hopefully we'll get to talk again in the future. Okay. Sounds good. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.